This is the end. The end of the end, my friend. Oh, this is sad. It's the end of X Corp. So you could have sung a happier song. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh Jabbing out quick. It's also the end of The Last Annihilation. Also fine. Surprisingly, it's also the end of Guardians of the Galaxy. What? That series is, that's the last issue. What? Yeah. Well, that's surprise. No more extra comics for me to read. <laughs> sorry, Guardians of the Galaxy fans. Actually, no, I really am sorry. AKA me. That's a bummer. Anywho, welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin. That was a much more pleasant introduction. I was a little aggressive on our first take. So much so that you blew the levels right out of the charts. You know, I was rushing. I drank a bunch of water and I needed to get back. I needed to get back soon. What? <laughs> We're here to talk about the other comics of the week that we didn't talk about in our last episode. Yeah, because it was a big week. Because it was a big week and an onslaught needed its own episode. It needed some space to breathe. It was a mega-sized issue. So if you haven't listened to that one, go, go check listen it out. to it. You're not gonna you're not gonna get your onslaught fix here. It's not in this one. Go elsewhere, you junkies. <laughs> we are also junkies. You if that's onslaught the case. junkies. All right, so we're talking about X Corp, The Last Annihilation, and X Men today. X Corp number five, The Last Annihilation, Guardians of the Galaxy number eighteen, and X Men number three. Oh, for specificity. Yeah, yeah. We have a special guest in the studio today. Oh, we do. Yes. The HasLab Sentinel in the house. The size of a small child has joined us in action figure form. Honestly, I said it in the post that I made the other day when he came. He's about the size of our nephew. Yeah, it's quite funny. He's got a much smaller head, but <laughs> physically he is Stature. the size of our nephew. Should he have a name? Uh, probably. If, if you could give a name to a giant death robot, what would you name them? A giant death robot name. Probably, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I went with Mark. Mark? Sorry to all the Marks out there. <laughs> more so. I was trying to think of something a little more The Destroyer. Like, yeah, a little like. Well, I went with Mark because they're like Sentinel Mark 1, Sentinel Mark 2. Oh, I see Mark. I'll probably post it in the story. Well, then I'll call him Robert. Because he's a robot. Uh, Robert Mark? Firsty Firsty? Robert Mark? Mark Robert? Maybe. Like a marksman robot? Maybe. Mark Smick Roberts? Undecided. But <laughs> this guy is massive. He's beautiful. If you haven't seen the pictures, check him out. I didn't post too many of them because I was too busy playing with it. Yeah. I mean, the lights are really cool. The fact that it has all these different color settings. And, and the fact that I put wah, the, tri- wah, the, the wah, AAA wah. batteries in. Finally did it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you for joining us, sir. I do wish he talked like the other ones, though. Yeah, I think the added voice box would have been an additional feature of, you know, is that going to prevent? I actually am surprised that he can light up even though his head's removable Mm -hmm. because he comes with all the other heads. It's just the bulb at the top. Interesting. Yeah, it would have been cool if he talked, though, because I do. That is one of my favorite parts about the other one. But I, actually, I'm glad that he doesn't have a button on him like that. The aesthetic of. Yeah. He's pretty cool. One day, you will destroy all the mutants. Oh, man. Destroy. Destroy. I was recording Justin 
for a behind the scenes for our Patreon just now, and I stopped before he started sweet talking the Sentinel, and I'm sorry for that. <laughs> you, can, you can record again. No, it's okay. It's gone now. It's gone. The moment has passed. All right. Any any other? You said last time, Justin, <laughs> focus. Staring lovingly at my three hundred and fifty dollar toy. <laughs> the most I've spent on a toy thus far. No, wrong. The most you've spent on a toy that you have in hand there thus far. There you go. Far. That's good. Yep. Galactus so, is coming. So um, what was the news? In our last episode, you said, there's news, but I'm not going to tell you until we do our regular episode. Well, it was Sentinel. That was really, that was the first one. Oh, okay. And there was an AIPT interview with Jonathan Hickman. Tell me again what AIPT is. AIPT Comics. Adventures in Poor Taste Comics. Okay. It's just the abbreviation. They, I honestly never see them spell it out as I think that just was. That was the name and now it became right. something else. But they interviewed Jonathan Hickman, uh-huh. Chris Hassan for his X-Men Mondays. And a couple interesting things. A couple interesting things coming from that interview. Oh, like what? Hints of things they've been holding back and keeping secret. Oh. In addition to the Sabretooth book, there are several other writers who have been in the room working on the next phase of X-Men titles for about half a year now. Oh, look at that, sneaky sneaks. Which we don't know what the next phase of X-Men titles will be, what it'll look like, what continues, what restarts, what rebrands. It's all just a big unknown mm-hmm. that makes alicia nervous and scared and yeah because they're gonna eyes. take my marauders away i need my kate and emma book i think that they might be something you know jerry's not just gonna write x-men <sighs> i just need my girls his hickman's mm-hmm. favorite single issue of the x-men run oh was number seven the crucible okay well that was a good one favorite overall was house of x number five. Oh. Which we would just refer to the other day. It was actually Powers of Ten, number five. Oh, dang, no, but as House soon X- as I said it, I knew, too. I was like, no, that was Powers of Ten. Maybe he'll let it slide. Nope. Probably not. <laughs> House of X, number five, is the introduction of the five. Ah, yes. Okay. Well. He gives the overall experience a B in terms of output. Really? Yeah. A B? Which I think is very self-aware of just where he wanted it to go and where it went. So... Two direct quotes. I believe we needed a broader aesthetic, a bigger artistic umbrella. So just working with different artists and creating a different style mm-hmm. or a range of different styles. I think we needed to maintain a more relentless velocity. Narrative rhythm is good, necessary, I think, in the individual titles. But with a line as big as ours, the whole thing still needs to feel like a freight train. And I would wholeheartedly agree with that because I felt like House of X Powers 10 brought you up real high. And then there was kind of a drop in terms of excitement while they slowly built the ground of what goes out of that. And I don't know that we ever really reached that high again. Interesting, yeah. But who knows with what's on the other side. What is on the other side? Inferno coming out this week. Inferno. Coming out on Wednesday. Oh, God. I just... I guess... I got a lot of reading to do tonight. Will you let me just give you the X-Men title? No. Will you let me just suffer and binge and cry and read 500 comics? What is it? How many do I have to read? You see this stack of comics on the table? It's all those comics. Okay. Plus the three that have been sitting on the hutch that I left out for you. I'm going to take a picture of those and put them in the story. I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I can do it. You're just going to be upset about it. No. 
Because yes. I'm just going to read them and I'm not going to have to take notes on them. Like, I'm just going to read them. Right. Uh, one reason I'm concerned is that the, the issue of Marauders that you've wanted to read for so long has been sitting at the top of the stack. And I understand that you got a bunch of other things. I'm just Yeah, saying. really? Do you understand? Because you're putting me <laughs> on blast right now. Okay. I yep. just get really distracted and I tend to spend my time dressing up in costumes instead of reading books. Yep. So, all right. When we get home from that two-year-old's birthday party tonight, comic crazy, I shall go. I'll, I'll keep my updates in the story so y'all can see where I start and as I progress. And I have until Wednesday evening. Yep. But really like Tuesday evening yep. to read them all. Yep. All right. And I will have my in case of emergency backup plan. You know, I like this is this is how I did everything in my whole like school career. Oh, yeah, I have to do that project. Oh, yeah, I have to do that project. Oh, yeah, I have to do that. Let me just binge that project real quick. We were different people. Procrastination is my strong point. Bits and pieces over time. All right. Are we getting to the comics or is there more news? There was an X Summit picture. So they do these things. What is that? So X Summits. What? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask you what it was, but you were already telling me. <laughs> <laughs> X summits are the big meetings, the big half day or day long meetings like that they retreat. do. Like a retreat, yes. Mm-hmm. And this, I believe, was the last one with Hickman as they really go into I hope they had cake. Oh, I, I assume. As we can assume. As we can assume. Interestingly, kind of relative to the point of there being other people in the room, two pictures in the Zoom were blocked out. Oh. Also, what a group of people to just make Zoom still look fun because they're all <laughs> smiling. They're all having a good time. Leah Williams posted the picture on Instagram, maybe Twitter as well. I saw it on Instagram. But the other interesting thing from that interview that kind of ties into the team that's taking the next phase, mm-hmm. if we'll ever see the original three-act structure for the X-Men. And Hickman says, there's no version of this where I'm putting plans in my back pocket to save for another day or some great character beat that I'm holding on to and no one is allowed to use it until I get around to it. That's not what this is. Everything I have done, everything I'm currently working on, and everything I had plans to do in the future belongs to the team. That was the point of having a room and a cohesive group of creators working together. That's awesome. That's great. See? It's going to be okay. Everything will work out. But I'm, I'm excited about Inferno. I'm really excited about Inferno. Yeah, me too. And now the comics. And now. All right. Well, let's start with X-Corp. <laughs> let's talk about the cover. Oh, babe. Come I'm sorry. On. I'm sorry. I mean, the covers of this run have probably been one of my favorite They're parts so of the book. They're so artfully done. They're really interesting and experimental. I saw there was a poll in House of X the Facebook group, mm-hmm. and it was, what was the biggest flop of the X line? Was yeah. it X-Corp, Children of the Atom, or Fallen Angels? Ooh. Right. X-Corp. Yeah, that's what I said. And someone, I, I don't remember who, but they were like, you know, Children of the Atom had great character work. Fallen Angels introduced a lot of backstory for Conan. X-Corp had minimalistic covers. It did have that. All right, this cover... It's pretty cool. We got the same color scheme going. Let's just get in. Sure. Should we get in? Page turn noise. I mean, I think I've said it every issue, but this issue felt like one of the best of these five. Okay. (laughs) It's too bad it took so long for it to find its footing. 
But we get our dupes, security dupes, scared and confused because their ringleader isn't responding. And they've they've been very kind to their hostages. Yeah, these French guys have gotten sushi. They're so mad that they're ready to hulk out. <laughs> and so they... And then they do their little, like, hydra capsules yep. that turn them into demons. Roid monsters. And they just go oh. crazy. I mean, I do always love when the action of an art has that effect where it's like blurry because there's just so much going on. Yeah. And this is an epic page. Yeah. Saddle page. Hostile takeover. Closing costs. Closing costs. Oh, God. Written by Teeny Howard <laughs> with art by Alberto Fochi. Colors by Sunny Go. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Oh, we weren't going to keep going? I couldn't. You couldn't. I couldn't. You did well, though. You really made that work yeah, yeah. for an extended amount of time. We got our CXOs versus the Struckers on the next page. Rip them up. Monet and Warren with their dirty talk banter. It feels like character growth in their relationship, but it's I just... I just don't understand the dynamic of their no. relationship. Do they like each other? Do they hate each other? Do they want to Both? do each other? No, like, I don't think it's the last one, but they're just... I think it's just they're hyped up action junkies and they were just shadow boxing in the boardroom danger room. Yeah. But we get some cool action from our, our slow building opposition. Mm-hmm. Mowing down Madroxes on that next page. Just, just. Lighting them up. Lighting them up. Just taking them all downtown. I hate that I like the Struckers from The Gifted because they are just terrible people. Oh, yeah. But I don't hate that I like them because I like them. But are they like enough like the comic Struckers or are they their own entity? They are very much so their own entity that have no ties to Nazis. Yeah, that's true. These very much so have ties to Nazis. And then they, they, Create a big old boom. Big old boom as Sarah St. John snoops out. But wait, because Triner is here to stop you. Yeah, nonviolent diplomacy because she's the Into best it. of us all. Into it. Right. I like it. And I this whole exchange of just, yeah. oh, let me just, I'm just going to stop this elevator real quick, but also there's a threat. So let me just save your life also. Which I would hope that that might have some effect on sarah's compassion towards but it mutants. doesn't clearly totally by doesn't. the end of this issue totally doesn't team steroid coming down after trinary saves them both the clinical effect of their noblest emergency pharmaceuticals right she's just flat out saying like yeah well we um we didn't beta test it well no we did we knew that they were just gonna like have blind rage but we just figured if it meant that they were killing mutants like it was fine for the we good of the deal team. with it you know we'll just run and I love that Trinary gives constructive criticism of their crap products. That's all I'll give you for free, though. Yeah, you want to give me a job? Let's go. Back at that generator, the Struckers are going for the tech on their own. They're here for themselves. They don't care about the humans or the Krakoans. No, they don't care about anybody. Just themselves. Classic Struckers. Really pushing the line of evil Krakoans taking advantage of the promise of resurrection. I love that. I'm Krakoan yeah. when it's good for me. Right. Ooh. Which I, I think that's a interesting element that could have been explored further just how these characters are on their own side yeah and i feel like there's probably many characters who are a little sinister right right but toe um, that line when it's mm -hmm. beneficial to them for there's, the good of the team when i want you to be my team yeah for the good, for of, the my good team, of me when there's, i'm myself 
they're stealing the info they need regardless of if they die or not and it's going to go back to where they need it to go this whole plan they have of like well then we'll die but then we'll be resurrected and we have this way of remembering it but you don't haha because we planned it around the cerebro and like it was that was very thought out yeah yeah, and it's interesting that they're talking about the imperfections of resurrection, the loss of information in the same week that we get Onslaught Revelation. I think mm-hmm. that's a nice thematic connection point. Yes. Celine. Celine. Oof. Oof, this uh, whole encounter. I'm just like, yes, yeah, Celine. And then I was like, oh, no, Celine. <laughs> She's got such power and presence, exposing yeah. the double cross from the Struckers and attacking him. I love that when she just like lets him hear what the Strucker said, and then she's like, ha they don't care about you. And then attacks, but also gets attacked. Because he has poison in his soul. Poison. Poison. little backstory on J.P. Coy, who will we ever see again? I don't know. We don't know. All right. This, probably my favorite part of the issue is the Madrox machine. The the dupes that replicate and yeah. just keep- Destructive like, just, duping. They're just like- Quick, make enough before you get destroyed. And Absorb then, all the power and, and then, then you'll get destroyed it. and then you'll make another one and then they'll get destroyed and then we'll just keep going. Honestly, I think Jamie Madrox has been the standout of the series and the only one I want to follow out of it. But that just must be my love for the character. Yeah, maybe. We got a data page. Data page with a diagram that really explains uh, the buckyball principle. If you, if anyone Bucky makes ball a protocol. dirty winter soldier joke, you're out. You're out. And we got our fallout. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Just this moment. The reveal this, of... This, like, this mastermind moment. All I could think is, I've been falling for 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Loki. You know, maybe Celine and Jason are also on that list of, I'm interested in where they're going and what mm. they're doing next. Bad guys with purpose and cunning as they're torturing this guy on the next page. Interesting parallel between them and the Struckers, that they are bad guys from the Hellfire Club that are now at least playing ball just, with the Krakoans. I think the thing that I love so much, like with these two, with Emma and like where Shaw's at right now is just like the Hellfire Club, they were always the mutant mafia, but now the mutant mafia is like working for Krakoa and they're like you know we're a little bit good but we're still using our old tactics right you know yeah we're gonna still do what we're gonna do to get it done we're embracing all of Krakoa we're just gonna be a little bit underhanded no no like they're gonna they're gonna be underhanded but they're gonna be a little bit more above board with it Mm -hmm. just a little just enough to make it a little more passable so it's not just pure evil. Yeah, it's not just straight murder. Right. Except for Celine, who was murdering humans in a Captain America comic. Well, but anyway. Okay, well, I didn't know that, so. <laughs> Madrox is back. It's going to take some time. He didn't really want to be on the board anyway. He, he didn't really want to be guy. on the board. And that brings me to my most annoyed point about X-Corp. Yep. Because then Trinary can have that board seat. And then the the whole thing ends with the announcement of the board so you're telling me this, this entire, entire series was simply just setting up the to board. set up the board yep yep i mean the board of the corporation we're not going to hear anything else about yep well you know it now exists in the ether of krakoa so maybe we will i don't care <laughs> honestly that that goes to a point that i had I feel like this whole story was just getting the company off the ground, filling the board, and finding human resistance. But really, 
it should have been seeded that those elements should have been seeded in other stories. They yeah. should have started with the board. They should have started with mm. the company and then seen how that played out as it progressed mutant interests. Yeah, that's true. It's just the main arc of this was we're getting the board together. And right. the overall concept of business comics, eh, not really something that I need a full book dedicated right. to. Right, exactly. You know, give me a presentation in a council meeting. Or an update to Emma and the Hellfire Trading Company. Yeah. Let me know when something interesting happens, but otherwise, I don't need a, a monthly. It, it's just mm -hmm. part of the background because, I'll be honest, the the pharmaceuticals that makes sense. Yeah, it's right? cool. That the business of that that makes sense. Throughout this, we're trying to build a telecom company. Right. A flying base with a telecom company. I don't understand what that does for them how that connects to Krakoa's overall interests what that moves forward one of the biggest standouts of the issue is the fact that trinary gets a name for the first time ever oh on that data page as they announce her as the final board member Shirpa Katri and the little meeting on those last two pages that Sarah St. John is taking with Henry Peter Geirich that's what I'm saying like what are you doing and and our friend, Gyrick, he's showing up in another issue this week. Yeah. Woohoo. He's been he's been in the background connections to Orcus. That dog. Orcus now. is like they're coming on they're coming on strong now. Here they come. I love the fact that we have several references to Orcus throughout these three books. Yeah. It's in my opinion, one of the more slept on elements of the era. It's creeping back in. But it's creeping back in as it should be because they've been building in the, the background. Hit me with that Krakoan. Inferno. Inferno because, because it's next. Because it's next and there's no next book over. to tease. Because that's the end of X-Corp. Thank overall, you for your service, X-Corp. Any overall See thoughts you never. about X-Corp, babe? No, I have none. I've said them all. Thank you. Goodbye. This has been my TED Talk. Go Trinary. Go Trinary. Go Jamie. Get it, Jamie. Good job, Jason. Cool to, cool to see you, Celine. And honestly, I would have liked, you know, last thing I'll say, to have the dual personalities of Monet and Warren be such a visual and conversational focal point, but not really talk about how their transition happened or even really delve into what it means to them to be able to switch between them or what that means to them to have these dual personalities. I thought that that was the character depth that we were mm. going to get to that I don't feel like. I don't feel like there was a lot of character depth here. And that was a point that could have been explored that I would have been really interested in because it's still an unanswered question. How are mm -hmm. they doing this? And I don't know. It yeah. just, that felt like a misstep. Well, maybe you'll get it some other way. Maybe you never will. Maybe I never will. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. Crumbling cookies. Moving on to The Last Annihilation, Guardians of the Galaxy, Pumpkinhead, Dormammu. Last Annihilation. The last, last. Yeah. And like I said, it's also our last issue of the run of Guardians of the Galaxy, which was abrupt and not really expected. There hadn't been a lot of solicits for, I don't think there's been any other solicits for this in the next coming months. And so people were questioning what that means. But it, it feels as though, especially with a couple of X titles, either pausing or closing or ending, that... Is it part of a larger story? Al Ewing was in that X summit. Is he shifting priorities to be a little bit more X focused with Sword? Mm, maybe. Will Sword collaborate with the Guardians of the Galaxy in some way? They're on good terms. 
They're on good terms with the Wakanda. Brand. They seem to be on good terms with everybody. It's a facade. It is a facade. All right, let's talk about this cover. Yeah. I mean. Giant pumpkin head. Gives me like, I don't know, just just that's it. It's just a giant pumpkin head vomiting out little demons. There's a term, I can't remember it. There's a term in film where the opening shot tells you basically all you need to know. And I feel like that is what this is. This is basically, hey, you're coming into this. This is where we've been so far. We have our full pumpkin head. We this have our is where we've ones. been the whole time. Yeah, basically. He grew in power and potential. Yeah. All right. And, and our reveals, honestly, I'm, I'm really excited. If Al Ewing wants to write a Doom comic after this, I'm in. Ooh, Doom. I'm in. Ooh, because Doom. there's some. Let's get into flip it. Flip pages. Page turn noise. Chitauri Prime. Oh, no. First, you have to do your little. Then it's us. All the people previously on. Same thing as always. Dormammu. He's got ego. He ate him up. He's a big planet killing machine. He's coming at you. Trying to take over the universe. Everybody's scattered. We got a big gun. It's hiding somewhere. We don't know what to do. Let's get into it. The Guardians are there. Swords there. Hulk and Wigan are there. The Galactic Empire of Wakanda is there. Even Doctor Doom. It's written by Al Ewing. Art by Juan Figueri. Colors by Federico Blee. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. <laughs> Ever-changing name. Petit. Okay. And we're now we're in Chitauri Prime. Chitauri Prime. The battle rages on as our team comes in on the ground pretty casually. They're just here. Well, Doom, well, here we are. Doom and his magic cards as he has roles for everyone to play. I love those cards. Yeah. Those are pretty dope. That's He's the nice, puppet master. This is a nice spread, This these two pages. Yeah. The Ascendant is Doom's role in all of this. So apparently Gamora would have been in this place, but I feel like Doom knew that she would refuse, that that was Doom part of his plan. Doom knows everything, apparently. Right. Because puppets, puppets. Doom and his Doombots with a plan to steal Dormammu's magic. Oof. He's just, he's just, you know, sucking that magic out. Well, that's how you, that's and how you so take him down. And so is he like giving, like are all of them are absorbing a little bit of his magic, but like Doom's all of the absorbing ones in the, five? the most. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They're drawing his magic from him to make him easier to kill. Yes. And Dormammu hungers, right? He's a, he's a planet eating machine now he hungry he hungry watch out spartax draining his life force he needs some more yeah i love the real-time effect of doom and the guardians work though because yeah how he just he's at first he's like i'm here and then he's like wait wait wait, Uh something's wrong and then out of nowhere rocket with his big old gun via manifold just shows up ready to fire a mysterium bullet courtesy of krakoa and sword Here's what I don't fully understand, yeah. right? So he's got this big gun. Cable and the team made the gun. They did the thing. They yep. put the Mysterium bullet in it. Whiz kid. And now, but now they need Nova to fire it? Like, because Nova gets behind it. Right. Well, they need they need the force, you know. So then, so I guess, then what does I guess the, the question, gun do? It's really just a, it's just just a spaceship a, with just a hole a in it. Tunnel. It's, yeah, just, it's a just a spaceship with a hole in it. Shoot for the... Because they need Nova and Star-Lord to fire this off yeah interesting because as we're back on jitari the magic is potentially going to rip them all apart right so our five around the pentagram it's doom moon dragon drax star lord and groot and doom 
He's like, I did what I needed you to do. Take the magic and get out of here. Just get out. Here's a teleportation spell. Go where I need you to be. Just go where I told you. Get out of here. I'm good here. I got this. Because I got this. And then poof, everybody appears just where they're supposed to be. Right. Peter's confusion and questioning gives us an opportunity to catch up as he and Nova are apparently the necessary forces to rocket this bullet out of the space gun and right into Dormammu's face. I love it. Right into his stupid pumpkin head. He's like, what's this coming at me? Some cool shots, though. Yeah, the art of this whole this whole double page spread where the bullet is coming towards him and then you see it like hit and go straight through. Yeah. And then just him to th- disintegrating. To think about the strength that it would have to have, the power that it would have to have to rocket that through the core of a planet. Yeah. that It's not just someone's head, you know? That's a, yeah, that's a planet. Right. I like the note about, okay, so the bullet punctured through, turning Ego into an asteroid belt, a living asteroid belt, perhaps. But we're wrapping up nice and tight with room to tell us a little bit about what happens on the other side with... Doom, you sneaky sneak. Secret plots all around. So our cards are on the table, right? It was Doom who was the puppeteer. This whole time. The whole time. He brought Dormammu out. He knew he was going to suck his power out. He knew he was going to save the day. He had Sister Talionis do the ritual on Ego the Living Planet to turn him into Dormammu. Insanity. Doom knew all along. And Brand thought she knew what was up but she didn't because doom's mad at her which is and great. all of the mutants for not not bringing him in in their little soul party yeah and so now look at him he's got all the magic of dormammu he's got his own thing he's got his own thing going that was the best part of it for me honestly i think so too i think that's the the tease that leads us forward of what's going to happen after the fact. I'm very interested to see how Doom continues to be a player in the Marvel landscape because he's been setting up little pieces here and there throughout the Kirk Cohen age, right? So we had the X-Men Fantastic Four miniseries where he has his own island. He has Doom Sentinels, basically. And when he had that dinner with Storm, he knew this whole time he was doing this. Right. Dirty, dirty Doom. Yeah. So I... Feel like this newly formed Kree Skrull Alliance having a strong enemy is going to play into something else. So now that they have this this new base on Chitari where mm-hmm. Sister Talianos is the the leader of this, the fact that Doom has considerably leveled up with the magic of Dormammu in his armor. But like, what's going to happen when? Because she's a Skrull. Yes. So what's going to happen when the Kree find out that? All of this, like these battles and all these like people that they lost, both the Kree and the Skrull lost a lot of people in this situation is all because she decided to partner with Doom to get what she wants. But she's operating on her own. But right? now so she's, she's in charge. She's the leader of this alliance. Is she not? No, she's not the leader of the Kree Skrull alliance. She is the leader of a rebel faction of oh. who is upset about the alliance. And the she, alliance is led by Teddy Hulkling. 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 Yeah. Hulkling okay. with his emperor consort. Okay. I can't imagine so the and especially Doom and where he's going, that has to be something big. He oh, slash yeah. Al has to have something big planned Something's for happening. Doom. I can't imagine that this is gonna tie up in the upcoming Darkhold series, but I feel like that's gonna add its own complications and it's potentially something longer term that we'll see from Al Ewing. And I'm excited Ooh. about that. We can't 
finish an intergalactic battle without an intergalactic party. Oh, no. Libations, celebrations, and cameos from everyone involved. Everyone's here. They're all at the party. Anybody, especially in that last page, anybody that was in anything. It's like, yeah. No, where's Cable? Oh, that's true. Good point. They don't get to go. Sad. He's off doing something on sword. I think the only benefit, and it's a sad one, but the only benefit to this series ending is it's selfish that it means I won't be adding it to my pull list. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't necessarily need to add more books to my pull list, but I was interested in this. I, I was surprised that this normally big crossover events like this are meant to bring you in and hook your interest in stuff that's... And start something new. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe not start something new, but continue in, especially because recently, I think it was issue 13, they really build Guardians of the Galaxy as a new coming on point. This is issue 18, right? So that was when Doom first started to muck around with the Guardians. Mm -hmm. But muck, 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 muck. Thoughts on the last Annihilation overall? I love, I love a twist. I'll say that. The Doom part was a twist, and I appreciate that. I think... I understand they wanted to get in all these different books to make it a larger crossover event, but I think it was a little long-winded, and I think it could have had less issues to tell the story that it told. But I guess if you're trying to pull in all these other books, you need to have all the other things. But I think a few of the issues were kind of little side battles that I felt like didn't really have any effect on the overall story. It was just to have another book in the story. That's tie-ins, you know? baby. And so I'm not a huge fan of that. But overall, I think a lot of the art was really beautiful. I really loved the character-driven story of Wiccan and Hulkling. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and I would be surprised. So there is a Black Panther comic coming out of this. Mm-hmm. Coming after this, I don't know if it's necessarily out of this, but I think the development of Umbaku being the regent of the intergalactic emperor yeah, empire of Wakanda is going like to play big. in, right? I feel like there's got to be something with Wiccan and Hulkling at some point. Maybe well, that is the the Kree Skrull Alliance will have its own book. Maybe, and that's how Guardians of the Galaxy are. Maybe they're just kind of hopping between books. Is Al writing that book? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the core story was Guardians of the Galaxy with maybe Cable and Sword. That was the core of the Last Annihilation mm -hmm. story. Yes. And then the other bits were more character-based stories that might lead into their other things. Right. And, and even the Cable and Sword were really just further developing Sword's potential as what they are. So this seeded a lot of intergalactic what's to happen yes agreed but you are this this indifference in comparison to a crossover within a line mm -hmm. like an x crossover yes. this is a full marvel crossover yes. even even a very contained full marvel crossover because it was pretty short for a crossover story you know i think i mentioned the king in black the even the Empire, mm -hmm. that was a big event that crossed over a bunch of titles and had tie-ins that weren't really relevant to the larger story, but just were, hey, look what Spider-Man's doing during this crossover. Yes. What is? What are you getting at? <laughs> <laughs> your reaction to that as this was your first like Marvel crossover. Yes. So it seemed like you got winded on the, the tie-ins and the length, 
And so that's just something for me to know next time something happens outside <laughs> of the X-Men proper. I think... Like the death of Doctor Strange has a one shot that is tied to the X-Men. Death of Doctor Strange number one came out this week as well. I bought it. I don't think I'm going to go into all the, the tie-in issues, but I will definitely likely read the core story and the X-Men one shot. Yeah, I mean, I think in the overall where S.W.O.R.D. stands and this stuff with Doom, that was important for me to have a handle on, but everything else, meh. Yeah. I mean, it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't care about those characters or I don't like those stories. It's just that, you know, I'm e- I'm still I'm still easing my way into reading comics and I don't need to like I haven't even caught up with what clearly like with what I need to have read. So it's just sometimes it's like, okay, there's just a lot of stories to be keeping straight in my brain and it it's not of interest to me to add in too much more at this point. Gotcha. Good to know. Good to know. You can tell me about them. <laughs> I'll listen. I'll tell you about the death of Doctor Strange at some point. I haven't Great. read it yet. Great. All right. So now can we move on to X-Men? Yes. This is probably, I don't want to say my favorite of the week, but it was up there. Yeah, and, this was a really good issue. And, and this cover is... My favorite of the three, so I think, beautiful. maybe. Oh, yeah, for sure. Of the three X-Men? Yes. Oh, no. Of the th- I don't know. I can't say. Definitely my favorite of the three that we're talking about today. Yes. yes. Probably my favorite of the three issues of X-Men so far. But I feel like that's just because I know what happened in the other two and how this builds off of and differs from that. Mm-hmm. But I would agree. Action-packed cover. This cover is amazing. Great There's visuals. so much. Like If you look at it, there's so much. Yeah. And there's dinosaurs, so you know I love it. Into it. Pepe and Marta, they're here. Killing the game. Killing the game. I mean... They're not on the next book. Oh, God. Get ready. What's going to happen? Justin's going to cry for three days. I'm not going to cry. I'm going to yell. I'm going to shout. No, no yelling. You'll blow out the microphones. A page turn noise. I do think it's really interesting that the High Evolutionary is showing up around the same time as we're questioning the whereabouts of Scarlet Witch and how Magneto is vying for the spot of foster father in her life. It's all connected in some way. And why is that? Because the High Evolutionary gave Wanda and Pietro their powers. Oh. They, I feel like you told me this recently, but yep. lots of things fall out of my brain. <laughs> I think it was during X-Men number one where he was chilling in the background and you thought he was Felong. And I was like, no, that's the High Evolutionary. Ah. Why would I know who that is? Gotcha, gotcha. Well, we're starting out with a quote from Mr. Sinister. Nathaniel. little sass from Sinister. In the blurb for High Evolutionary on Marvel Unlimited, he's listed as someone who followed in Nathaniel Essex's footsteps that wanted to learn from his pursuits in genetics. Interesting. Yes. Welcome, the High Evolutionary. A little nod to the protections of S.W.O.R.D. I love Mm -hmm. that. I, I feel like that is similar to the Marauder's detail in that S.W.O.R.D. has a place throughout books. I I keep calling it out, but that I love to see it. I love to see, hey, a little bit of this in here. Not overtaking the story, not that you have to read one to understand the other, but the teams are present he throughout the line. He loves to see it, folks. He loves to see it. That was that's the big draw. No, I, of, I mean I love to see it too. I just that's the big, I wanted to say that. The big draw of the writers collaboration of the fact that this is the world story of Krakoa. Mhm. And I feel like when they don't 
connect or they're not aware of each other, the line suffers. The, yes. The, the world narrative is confusing or not to the point where I'm really excited about it. Yeah. And, and I just feel like if you're going to put the effort in to be making this whole world and to have so many instances where the books cross over or connect to each other to then have moments like what we were just talking about in the onslaught ep- episode of like where does this fit into the overall timeline right. it's one thing when you're writing separate titles and it's kind of just like this overall understanding that like things happen here and there or whatever it'll connect for a crossover but old that's it books or right. like the old books were like when we go back and we do other episodes and things like that that is a little bit easier for me personally to let go. But when you have this whole world that you're building that is so specifically intertwined so often to then have moments where it's kind of like, oh, we're just not going to pay attention to that right now. We're not mm-hmm. going to really worry about where this fits in or how this fits in to what's going on into other books. That's when it is frustrating to me because it's so prominent so often. Yeah. Well, I would say, I would argue that the older books, when we do the classic episodes those are hyper connected as well that's claremont louise simonson and ascenti building essentially a world narrative in their own way and with the artists that they're working with that they are creating these couple of titles that weave into each other and that's that's very much so because it's only the three of them or the the however many of them at the time creating that world story well i only said that because when i say things like why isn't this meshing together you say well, that's comics. <laughs> so I would well, assume, as we can assume, that's comics from before right now. Yes. So what I'm trying to distinguish is that's the comics from maybe maybe 2000 to 2018. Well, you know, Justin, that's still older comics because the kids these days are referring to the 1990s as the late 1900s. So, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. So watch out. We old. Oh, no. I know. But no. <laughs> The late 1900s. Okay. What an entrance. Mm-hmm. Look at that ship. Yeah. But on the next page, our genetically mutated entourage of friends surrounding him. Yeah. I like how he has a different approach and motivation, right? So he's not here to play Cordyceps game. Oh, no. He's here to, well, play I mean, his own kind, game. kind of, but also at the same time, he, he is there to help annihilate the humans to clear the earth but also at a benefit to the mutants. He's yes. basically trying to pitch it. Hey, I'll get rid of that pesky human problem that you've been having all this time. Yeah, don't you want to get rid of those humans? Yeah, you've got a Rocco. You can still keep Krakoa. I'm just going to wipe the planet clean of I everything else. I have this else. gift. It's a bomb of poison. Yes. Luminous, my daughter slash creation, will tell you all about it. Nods to Rogue's time on the Uncanny Avengers Unity Squad. I only flipped through this run, but of course, it made me want to read more about the arc. Of course. Right, so this was after this team came out of Avengers vs. X-Men, where Captain America recognized that they, as Avengers, had not done a lot for the X-Men's plight, mutant's plight. Mm -hmm. So he created a, a team that represented all of the heroes of the Marvel Universe, at least the Earth heroes. Not including the Inhumans until later. Anyway. Small details. Small details. But that's how there was an interaction with the High Evolutionary between them. Polaris's reaction and face on that page is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looks cool, but what's it do? <laughs> yeah. What? Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. What are you doing with that glowing ball? Don't just give it to us. I don't trust you. Yeah. 
but we are going to we're going to sterilize humanity before they destroy the ecosystem. Yikes. Jerry over here solving climate change in a comic book. We don't even know how he's doing it. Yeah. But whammy. Rogue's not having it. No. She's just going to punch you in the face cuz yeah. she just can't. I tried to get a sense of what High Evolutionary did to Rogue. I could only find the master scientist and brief reference to releasing Rogue of the essence of Wonder Man, like the presence, the kind of mental presence of Wonder Man, Simon Williams, in her mind. Interesting. But release my mutated entourage. They're coming. Summon my evolutionary god. It's title page, Evolutionary Pressure. Fearless, Chapter 3. Problematic fan. You know, that's calling the high evolutionary a problematic fan. He's right? a fan of the X-Men, but right? he's not handling himself well. No. Written by Jerry Duggan. Art by Pepe Larraz. Color art by Marta Gracia. Letters by VCs Clinton Cowles. Oh, epic battle. Yeah. These battle scenes are just so beautiful. beautiful. Right, right. They're the reason I'm here, right? It's been, I think I said it in the issue one, that was probably one of the more epic battle scenes that we'd seen in the Krakoan era, mm-hmm. each issue delivers on that promise, right? Yeah. This is a high-flying superhero adventure. We are fighting relatively the villain of the month, but this one has a little bit more staying power, like some of the other subplots building in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tess Elephant is all sorts of amazing ridiculousness. <laughs> Tess Elephant remembers Earth's mistreatment of elephants and Tesla. <laughs> the X-Men love elephants. It's just, I just, I just, I read that and I was like, what's happening? Like Tesla, like Nikola Tesla? Yes. What? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Great. Moving on. Great in dialogue explanation for Luminous, much cleaner than an editor's note, but still necessary. High Evolutionary gave Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver their powers, right? Deemed them as a failure and then disguised them as mutants as you return them to their parents. Gave those same powers to his creation of Luminous, his daughter, quote unquote. Yeah, both of them. Yeah. I'm going to call it out because I always do, but Cyclops is rocking that field command. Still checking in with the team on their overall tactics and thoughts. Yep. (laughs) Get it, Cyclops. Look at you go. Doing your thing. Oh, look at her. She's so resistant. It's fine. I, I, I I just applauded him. What do you... He, it was a it was a strained applause. It just feels like you you set up those moments for me I to do. then just I say do. something about Cyclops, and I just feel indifferent. I know. So I'm just trying to say, okay, man, good job. <laughs> like I was trying to be nice. <laughs> this is what I live for. <laughs> anyway, Sunfire. This fire page. You want to talk about beautiful art, beautiful colors? Yeah. Yes. This is ridiculous. This skull on fire of the High Evolutionary. It's so freaking beautiful. Yes. And it's the first instance of him taking an interest in Sink's abilities. Mm. I think Sink is such a great guy. He just cares so much for this team. I love the layout and the colors of the page where he saves Shiro. Yes. It's just so, like, I can't. There's just always so much to look at. Yeah. But you also, here's the thing. There's so much going on, but with so much going on, they still bring your attention to the main part of the page. Like when you look at it, you don't feel overwhelmed and you're like, whoa, what am I supposed to look at? Like you very clearly know the story point, but then if you take a moment, then you look around the rest of the page and there's so many other things happening. And it's so, it's 
appropriately light on dialogue, right? We had mm -hmm. a couple of pages at the beginning that set up who this is, set up what this confrontation is, but now it's really just peppering in some some character beats. Interesting that Polaris has to basically fight her two siblings in yeah. one. Yes. Uh, I thought that was great. But also getting trounced on. <laughs> She's... Yeah, I thought you would be more. Yes. Synced, That's a burn. Synced up on that page where he has, he's had enough of these games and he takes to fight to them. I just took your powers. And High Evolutionary is impressed, but also has a backup plan. It's <laughs> fine because I could just take them away. Yeah, I could just turn off my daughter's powers and nobody knew that but me. That's messed up. It's so messed up. But also, hey, uh, I'll let them all go in return for your blood. And Cyclops is getting strangled by a giant monkey, but I, I had, it's all fine. I had shared this image in our story. It was This was a preview panel at one point. And I was like, Alicia loves this yes, panel. Yes, I remember seeing that. This is your lucky day, gentlemen. I had you right where I wanted you. <laughs> Love it. Like, literally, one of them is about to smash him with a rock, and yes. the other one's just strangling him. Yeah. Oh, man. This, uh... What? I just, like... This whole moment, you, I'm going to let you guys go if I can have Sink's blood. Yeah. Like, and the way that they're like, yeah, Sink, you did the right thing. I'm it, like, it feels short sighted. Did you do yeah. the right thing? Just think what High Evolutionary could do with Sink's blood over time in his experiments. Because if they were, if they were to just, okay, not that I know my girl Brand is not my favorite. Sword was like, do you all need backup? Yeah. And they were like, nah, we got it. So at this point, could they not just be like, yo, Sword, we need some help and bring in some other people? They're not even going to try to fight a little bit more before they just, boop, here's my blood, who I can happen to absorb any power. Not so even fine. not even just mutant, just any power that just I'm around. anything. But I'm going to give you one drop of my blood real quick. No, no questions it, asked. It just feels like it's going to, it feels like a really easy concession to set up a later plot point especially with so many of the villains of this book being interested in replicating what's going on with the mutants yeah you're just gonna give one of them your blood and and not just one of them but that guy that one right that guy so high evolutionary had been really interested in rogue previously right yeah, her ability to sense. take other powers but now this he even calls the the difference between Sink and Rogue yeah. is is no small, right? Feat. That's no small amount, and I just yeah, I feel like it's really short sighted, but also but wait, this Wolverine reaction, wait, but this moment and this romantic slice, this up, let me just feel up your finger really yeah. quick, and then I'll slice it open. She doesn't know about their time I in the vault. Mean, look at what the I subconsciously know, she has to know something. Their eyes, their hands, they're basically dancing with each other. It's magical. It is. This is it's so beautiful. Look at the the like eye close ups. Yeah. Yes, so good. The little the parting words as we get a step forward in uncovering cordyceps. Jean is confirming what she's learned in the last issue with some more info added in. Yes. These pieces make this stand out different from the first two issues, and it, but also feels like it fits that same mold of those two issues. I like that every issue is like, let's end with food, with people <laughs> who we say. Yes, yes. But they, they hit the, the villain of the month subplots building in the background to 
one day become main plots. Mm-hmm. High evolutionary has his motivations that are different, but also still embedded in the Cordyceps Jones plot to eliminate humans Take from the out. earth. And the idea of creating and ending everything around them, right? Creating new life from the potential that's already here. Yep. Polaris getting that last dig in as they leave after they got their butts kicked. I also like that she she speaks as though she's rogue. Right. Hey, sugar, did you know your old man had a kill switch for your powers? Yes, yes. This, just, this has to come back, right? Yeah. This isn't just a throwaway to. ending. It's a seed, which bravo to Jerry for using the formula mm-hmm. that he set up for these three issues to then seed much more to play with later on because I don't know. I, I love this this formula. I don't know how much longer it can continue and still be new and exciting, but he has now twisted it in this issue. Mm-hmm. Okay, who are these these brain bubbles between? High Evolutionary and Gene. Gene, okay. That's what I thought, but I wasn't 100% sure. Yeah. He... High evolutionary is trying to align himself with mutants. He's seeing them as the next step in the world and calling humans as done for. Mm-hmm. Is that just to serve his own means because he wants to have, there's much more potential to play with in mutant I genes. I don't know. I feel like this idea of what was, what was the title of this issue? Something fan? Problematic fan. Problematic fan. I feel like it's not necessarily that he wants to take down mutants secretly. I think he just wants to be in with the mutants right and he wants to be a mutant too like be on their team and he can only he thinks like if i do this thing if i show you if i do you this favor you know if i show you how i can enhance you if i show you how i can make things better for you then you'll be like it's okay you can be part of our group right i just i know that high evolutionary's goals are not limited to earth and that's what he's well, really the mutants appro- are also not limited to Earth now. So sure, but that's how he's approaching this conversation: is hey, y'all have Earth. You took Earth with Krakoa. You took Earth with the power that you've uh, established here, and then you use that power to leverage a whole other planet. So I want to align with you so I can take what you're doing on a- another scale, mm-hmm. because he's mucking around all over the space time continuum. Yeah. He is. But yeah, He's we, mucking. We get our after party. Always getting food with the locals. Always having food. And then there's this sly little rocks, paper, scissors game. The noble. Gene, you the, cheated. The noble game to see who goes. How do you think they'll split the team? Right? So they're t- that's what they're talking about here. They're talking about splitting the team into half to a- address these threats. Oh. At first, I thought they were just saying like Gene was going to go off into space. By herself. No, I think we may need to split the team for a little while. We have a name and a place now. We need... All right, so there's seven of them. Right. Right? Okay, so... Maybe eight with Captain Krakoa. Ugh. (laughs) Captain Krakoa. All right, so obviously Scott is on one side and Gene is on the other. I would assume. Okay, so that's two. I think Rogue and Sink are going to go opposite teams. Yep. Um, I'm going to say... I'd say Wolverine would be on a team opposite of Rogue as well. Opposite of Rogue. Because they're both being billed as the brawlers of the team. So I think... Then I think Gene, Rogue, Polaris, definitely together. 
because they've just been shown like working together a bunch. That's also three flyers going out into space. Yeah. So then Cyclops, Wolverine, Sink, and, and then Sunfire would stay with them. And I like Wolverine and Sink being on the same team because you can then still continue that Continue plot. that going on. Yeah. I like that. I like those. I would love, actually, I would love to see Jean, Rogue, and Polaris together. Yeah. Out in space. Yeah. They can meet up with Sunspot and Cannonball. They could be like, hey, space friends. Hey. Hey, Storm. What up, girl? Yeah. You know what? Actually, forget the boys. Hey, Storm. What up, girl? Let's do a ladies power space adventure. I'm saying. I mean, Storm, relative to where game world is, Storm is much closer to Earth than she is to to game world. Right. But like she's the region of soul and this game world is affecting soul. So like we need to get her in a book. Yeah. Moving and grooving. Not just making little pop-up appearances. Well, I mean, big picture to think about what's to come after Inferno, what's to come after X-Lives, X-Deaths of Wolverine. I think that there should be a book about Araco or about Storm Mm -hmm. and her relationship to Araco. Oh, agreed. But she should also be in other things. Oh, man. And then... I've enjoyed the full book. But these pages are probably my favorite. Oh, Yeah, I mean, not even just to, to just skip over Philong because that was Yeah, fine. that's fine. Guy Rich is everywhere. You know, this, honestly, this, this makes me upset, but in a good way, I guess, that the humans are only interested in Mars because it's now been taken. They can't yeah. have it. And so mm-hmm. now they want a foothold in Mars. I like that Orcus is getting some further development thanks to this title, thanks to a couple other titles throughout. Mm-hmm. And I said it before that that's what I wanted follow up from House of X and Powers of Ten. Yeah, I'm okay with it being. I mean, a... they're so prominent in House of X and Powers of Ten. It's right. like, where did they go? They're the big bad. Yeah, there's a couple of issues throughout the X Men run that they are a part of it. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of hanging out in space and hanging out in the shadows, which I feel that feels like an oversight for the X-Men for the mutants of Krakoa to just let that build in the background. Right. Uh they they are a big bad though. Yeah. And they're especially coming. with how Gyrick is connecting to other people because this bomb drop. Oh my god, Ben Yurik. Dr. Has Stasis the and Ben Yurik. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, I trust you do what you do with this information, Ben Yurik. Look at Cyclops is dead. Yeah. But now he alive. And you just talked to him the other day. So what are you going to do about it? You going to expose him? Yeah. So another ending, the end of the secret of mutant resurrection. <sighs> right. You just handed the... I look forward to reading about mutant resurrection in the Daily Bugle. Yes. Who? But... <laughs> Cyclops was right. <laughs> I feel like that that panel in and of itself was fan service. You know, Cyclops was right. Oh yeah, I still don't know what that means. Right. <laughs> you are a very good writer, and I just the his face. It's ah, like this he, is the, this is the plot that I want to he take. He sees full. it and he's like, "Oh no, I don't want to expose right. this, but I have to I because have I can't to. play I can't sides. Just, I can't just sit on this. That's information. not journalism." And I feel like that is a great connection to the point that he brings up. You know, back when the U.S. government loaned the services of a super soldier to the kingpin, what did you do? Yeah. I told the truth. Right. Tell it again. Tell it again. You've already Ooh. got the story. It's just bigger than you think it is. This is the this is 
been the hook of the book, right? We get our we get our Look at you with your rhymes. Uh, it wasn't intentional. I know. <laughs> but this has been the thing that is I think the most interesting. Mm-hmm. The full book has been interesting. The full book has been gorgeous throughout, but this has been the big world idea that might spell disaster. I don't know. So what does it mean? We've talked about this before. What does it mean if humans find out? I feel like it's just going to spark so much more fear. It's yeah. it's multiple things. It's one, you know, it takes it takes us all the way back to you have new gods now. Yep. Right? Because they're now now everyone knows Creating they're themselves. immortal. Yeah. Right? Immortal mutants. And, and so they don't even know about chimeras. Right. Well, we don't even really know about chimeras yet. You I know. Mean, like we do, but they're yeah. not like fully fleshed out in this timeline. Sinister's just starting. Right. But there's that. There's this idea like, okay, they're immortal. And now it it poses this whole like, how do we defeat them if we know that every time we battle with them and they die, they just go back to Krakoa and get resurrected. So now mm-hmm. the, if the threat is going to be, how do I get into Krakoa? How do I take down the systems within Krakoa? Right. Because that's your resurrection system. And how much about resurrection do they know? Because do they know that it centers around Charles? Because then everybody's coming for Charles. And I'm not no, I'm not mad about that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I think felt you like be. I had to say that. Yeah. yeah. No. But um, so that's one thing, right? Like them figuring that, that out. How much do they know? How are they going to try to get into Krakoa? And then just like also wanting it for themselves like if you can do this for mutants why can't you do this for humans yeah you've given us all the drugs but you're not giving us the sweet sweet resurrection right so one you're holding back on us and then two like i just feel like it's going to be something where the higher ups in like human are going to be like okay listen we know you can't resurrect like every human but what kind of deal can we work out so that you can resurrect like these certain humans? Oh, I don't know. You know, I, like I, how will they try to work an angle? I agree more with your previous point about them trying to replicate it, them trying to do it themselves, oh, right? Yeah, so 100%. that they're not they're not going to be interested in what I think there's going to be like layers. They're like not going to be interested people. in what the mutants can do for them. They're interested in how they can take what the mutants have done and bring it into their own side. Right, like I wonder in like the lives of Moira we get to the ascension timeline, mm-hmm. right? Is that because they found out about mutant resurrection and they're trying to replicate or one up that? I believe mutant resurrection is unique to life 10. Oh, I believe that that comes from one of the data pages of Moira's journal where Charles is talking about, or or she's referencing Charles's interest in, the combining of powers and what mm. we could do, but we need a reality warper. And we have a couple of answers for that. And that's basically yes. where she then has Proteus yep. with. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, anyway, that's what I think. I think it's bad news bears for sure. What do you think? I mean, you just said it. Yeah. Anyway, what's this, what's this Krakoan for the next issue? Also Inferno heads up. Because on the cover of the next issue is this headless horseman looking horror vibes. Oh yeah. Halloween I issue. I remember seeing that. Yeah. It's just this the the resurrection story, that feels like big guns. That feels mm-hmm. like something yeah, that is oof. affects the full line. 
Yeah, that's worldwide, baby. Right. And I feel as though that draws people in to the fear-mongering of Orcus. That's, okay, well, I need to then align with what the humans are doing, which is crazy because mutants are resurrecting themselves so that they can fight the bigger threat. Right. And essentially, their inability to work with Destiny, to work with the... uh, I don't want to talk about what happens with the vault, but you'll read that this in, the weekend. Next, in the next couple of days. But what ends up going into the children of the vault, uh, I feel like those things are are making more problems for them than really solving or preparing for mm. the end. That they're basically creating their own destruction. They're creating their own destruction with Mystique, you know? Uh, yeah. I'm so Ooh. excited about Inferno. Yeah. I. Uh, me too. I gotta do my homework. Got to finish those Comic-Con costumes. Got a lot to do. Got a lot to do. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Anything else, my love? Well, I mean, next week we do have... Oh, yeah. What do we got next week? Inferno number one. Inferno number one. Sword number eight. All right. Wolverine number 16. Ooh. I like three. Three's like a good three. number. Yeah. And I mean, Inferno will be a, a... Inferno will be its own episode. Right. Well, it'll also be an oversized issue. I think it's 40 pages. 40 pages? Which is why it, it is a big story. You know, it's four issues that are each 40 pages long. Oh, my Atlanta baby. Okay. Get All excited. Right. Get excited, y'all. Until next time, old friend. Charles. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. 